Welcome to To Every Generation, the broadcast ministry of Calvary Chapel Crossfields, located in Jamesburg, New Jersey, where we teach through the entire Bible, verse by verse, and make application to every generation so we can grow in our relationship with God. Tonight we're going to look at Genesis 41, waiting on the Lord isn't just waiting. You know, early life can shape later life, and there are some examples um, in just uh, world history. Abraham Lincoln, rail splitter, right? Um, Self-educated in law. He um, honed his opinions on um, um, slavery in a series of debates with Stephen Douglas. And all those things helped him when he was finally president in an unlikely set of circumstances. Um, And um, we had the Emancipation Proclamation and we had the successful execution of the Civil War. Ulysses S. Grant, who was the commander for the Northern forces at the end of the war, but at the beginning, he was kind of a failure. He drank himself out of the army He um, was a failed business person. He was working kind of as a clerk in his father's store. And he became an officer almost as an afterthought at the beginning of the Civil War. But everything he did, he did well. And he drew upon the training that he had um, at the academy. And um, it helped him. By the time the war was over, he was the... uh, general on the winning side, he later became president. Teddy Roosevelt, uh, he was born to privilege, but he challenged himself mentally, he challenged himself physically, he took jobs on that were kind of crazy. He was the police commissioner in New York City, I don't know how many people know that. That was one of the jobs he had. He didn't have to do that, but he did. He didn't have to go to war, and fight with live bullets zipping around him. Um, He could have done maybe what was a photo opportunity back at that time. He didn't do that. He did the real thing. Um, Winston Churchill, before he became the leader in Great Britain for World War II. In World War I, he was responsible for the failed Gallipoli invasion that uh, killed tens of thousands of people while completely not succeeding. Joseph Stalin, well, he was started off in seminary. And he went from there to uh, become part of the Communist Party, and he went from there to becoming the head of the USSR, and millions of people died. Adolf Hitler, I think I spelled his name wrong here on the PowerPoint, so forgive me. But he was a painter good at painting buildings, not so much with people, but it turned out that um, he had an interest in politics, and he built on that over decades, and um, again, millions of people died. Franklin Delano Roosevelt, political career, privilege, polio, helped shape him. John F. Kennedy, um, I think a lot of you know that he was president, and some, I'm sure the older ones know about PT-109, where he rescued um, his crew members. 
Norman Schwarzkopf, who was a part of Desert Storm. He served in Vietnam. He learned how to um, war should and should not be fought, and he took that with him. Then we have Joseph, son of Jacob, and this should be grandson of Abraham, so I'm sorry about that. But uh, his life, we will see, helped him when it was time to step onto a larger stage, a stage that he had an idea he was going to step into, but he didn't know how it was going to happen. Let's take a look back with Joseph. He had some dreams when he was younger. Um, in Genesis 37, at the beginning of the chapter, uh, he had grain. Uh, one sheaf stands straight up and eleven bow to it. And then he had a dream about stars. The sun, the moon, and the stars bent down to Joseph. And when, when he's talking about the dream, if you look in Genesis 37, he's not mentioning God anywhere. But I could see him, this is my interpretation, that he seems kind of pleased with himself because he thinks he's awesome. He's got these dreams. And he's going to run everything. And he is the chosen one and he's the golden boy. And what happened to the golden boy? He got almost killed by his brothers, who had killed people, who had massacred people. So it's not like they couldn't have done it. Instead, oh, they sold him into slavery. And he went from there to become a slave, to run a household and a prominent family, to be falsely accused, to go to prison. But he was still alive. You see, if they wanted to get rid of a slave in Egypt, there are only two prisons in the country. It's not like here where you have prisons everywhere. They only had a couple of them. If you wanted to get rid of a slave, you sent them to the mines where they didn't have safety equipment and they just worked you to death. That's what happened. But he, that didn't happen to him. He was able to eventually run the prison. So he was actually running something larger than the household he was running before. We talked about the baker and the butler. The butler oversaw the beverages for the Pharaoh's household, and he could have been a cupbearer, but um, uh, he was responsible. Think of it as uh, uh, beverage security, because one way that you could influence the household is by poisoning, and uh, part of his job was to make sure nobody got poisoned. The baker, the same thing. Oversaw baked goods, yeah, they had to be good, but they also had to be safe. And they were both highly trusted by Pharaoh. I found some pictures of the baker. They didn't really have any good pictures of the butler. But here are some pictures of the baker. And if you're listening to this online, I'm sorry. And then um, Joseph helped them with the meanings of their dreams. And for the baker, it meant that he was going to be executed. And for the butler, it meant that he was going to be restored. And this story is kind of popular over the time. And as you can see here, we've got a Renaissance painting that sort of embodies the entire story. And they're dressed in Renaissance clothing, but that's kind of what they did back then. They would take Bible stories and dress people up the way they dressed up in normal life. And this is going back into uh, the previous chapter. Now, when it came to pass on the third day, and actually, no, this is, um, 
yeah, the third day, which was the Pharaoh's birthday, that he made a feast for all the servants, and he lifted up the head of the chief butler and of the chief baker among his servants. He restored the chief butler to his butlership again, and he placed the cup in Pharaoh's hands. That is, the butler placed the cup in Pharaoh's hand. But he hanged the chief baker as Joseph had interpreted to them. And the butler remembered Joseph and got him released from prison, right? No, that's not what happened. Yet the chief butler did not remember Joseph, but forgot him. And we talked about what Joseph had. You know, he didn't have a whole lot. We've got the Bible. We've got church history. We've got lots of sermons that we can get online and we can go listen to in person. He had the stories his father told him. He had two dreams. He had faith. And I contrasted that with what we have. We have the Holy Spirit indwelling us. We have the Bible. We have faith. Uh, it, Joseph had faith too, but ours is, I think, a broader and deeper faith because it's based on Christ. And um, so the object of our faith is a little different. It's a little further along in God's economy. And we have each other in the church. And Joseph didn't have anybody. He had his family, and look what happened to him there. Okay, we talked about what to do while we wait. In Psalm 37, 3 to 8, I'm not going to read the whole thing, but at the beginning is trust in the Lord and do good. Dwell in the land and feed on his faithfulness. Delight yourself also in the Lord, and he shall give you the desires of your heart. And it goes on from there. That's Psalm 37, 3 to 8. Lamentations, uh, 325. The Lord is good to those who wait for him to the soul who seeks him. This in a book of the Bible that is a group of songs lamenting what was happening to Israel, that it had been conquered and the people had been moved to other lands. Galatians 6, 9, let us not grow weary while doing good, for in due season we shall reap if we do not lose heart. Isaiah eight seventeen, and I will wait on the Lord who hides his face from the house of Jacob, I will hope in him. Proverbs twenty twenty two. do not say, I will recompense evil. Wait for the Lord and he will save you. And I'm not going to read the whole thing here. 2 Corinthians 4, 16 to 18. Therefore, we do not lose heart. Even though our outward man is perishing, yet the inward man is being renewed day by day. And it goes on from there. Philippians. This is Philippians 4, 11 to 13. Um, not that I speak in regard for need, Paul's talking here, for I have learned in whatever state I am to be content. I know how to be abased and I know how to abound. Everywhere and in all things I have learned both to be full and to be hungry, both to abound and to suffer need. I can do all things in Christ who strengthens me. So two years passed, two years he's spending in prison. Now, it may not have been as bad as it could have been because he was also running the prison. So he had some autonomy, I'm sure. But he was still inside that prison every day. And he was a prisoner, and the guards were the guards. Okay? Then it came to pass at the end of two full years that Pharaoh had a dream, and behold, he stood by the river. Suddenly there came up out of the river seven cows, fine-looking and fat, and they fed in the meadow. And behold, seven other cows came up after them out of the river, ugly and gaunt. 
and stood by the other cows on the bank of the river, and the ugly and gaunt cows ate up the seven fine-looking and fat cows. So Pharaoh awoke. He slept and dreamed a second time. And suddenly seven heads of grain came up in one stalk, plump and good, and behold, seven thin heads blighted by the east wind sprang up after them, and the seven thin heads devoured the seven plump and full heads. So Pharaoh awoke, and indeed it was a dream. Now it came to pass in the morning that his spirit was troubled, and he sent and called for all the magicians of Egypt and all its wise men, and the Pharaoh told them his dreams, but there was no one who could interpret them for Pharaoh. Then the chief butler spoke to Pharaoh, saying, I remember my faults this day. When Pharaoh was angry with his servants, he put me in the custody of the house of the captain of the guard, both me and the chief baker. We each had a dream in one night, he and I. Each of us dreamed according to the interpretation of his own dream. Now, there, there was a young Hebrew man with us there, a, a servant of the captain of the guard. And we told him, and he interpreted our dreams for us. To each man he interpreted according to his own dream. And it came to pass, just as he interpreted it to us. So it happened. He restored me to my office, and he hanged him. But Pharaoh sent, then Pharaoh sent and called Joseph, and they brought him quickly out of the dungeon. And he shaved and changed his clothing and came to Pharaoh. And Pharaoh said to Joseph, I have had a dream, and there is no one that can interpret it. But I have heard it's said of you that you can understand the dream to interpret it. So Joseph answered Pharaoh, saying, It is not in me. God will give Pharaoh an answer of peace. Then Pharaoh said to Joseph, Behold, in my dream I stood on the bank of a river. Suddenly seven cows came up out of the river, fine-looking and fat, and they fed in the meadow. Then behold, seven other cows came up after them, poor and very ugly and gaunt, such ugliness as I have never seen in all the land of Egypt. And the gaunt and ugly cows ate up the first seven, the fat cows. And when they had eaten them up, no one would have known that they had eaten them, for they were just as ugly as at the beginning. So I awoke. Here's some cow math, okay? Some dream cow math. We got the fat cows, okay? And then we add the gaunt cows, the skinny cows, and you get skinny cows. All right? That's a little cow math for you. Also, I saw in my dream, and suddenly seven heads came up on one stalk, full and good, and behold, seven heads withered, thin, and blighted by the east wind sprang up after them, and the thin, thin heads devoured the seven good heads. So I told this to the magicians, but there was no one who could explain it to me. And I'm still trying to wrap my head around how do stalks of wheat eat each other? I don't get it. And I couldn't find any cool pictures, so here I've got a picture. We've got nice heads of wheat, and we've got skinny heads of wheat. Then Joseph said to Pharaoh, the dreams of the Pharaoh are one. God has shown Pharaoh what he's about to do. The seven good cows are seven years, and the seven good heads are seven years. The dreams are one. And the seven thin and ugly cows that came up after them are seven years. And the seven empty heads blighted by the east winds are seven years of famine. This is the thing that I have spoken to Pharaoh. God has shown Pharaoh what he is about to do. Indeed, 
Seven years of great plenty will come throughout all the land of Egypt, but after them, seven years of famine will arise, and all the plenty will be forgotten in the land of Egypt, and famine will deplete the land, so the plenty will not be known in the land because of the famine following, for it will be very severe. And the dream was repeated to Pharaoh twice because the thing is established by God, and God will shortly bring it to pass. Therefore, let Pharaoh select a discerning and wise man and set him over the land of Egypt. Let Pharaoh do this and let him appoint officers over the land to collect one-fifth of the produce of the land of Egypt in the seven plentiful years. And let him gather up all the food of those good years that are coming and store them in grain under the authority of Pharaoh. And let them keep the food in the cities then that food shall be as a reserve for the land for the seven years of famine which shall be in the land of Egypt, that the land may not perish during this time. So let's talk about this. Did you notice that, that when Joseph was interpreting the dreams, he's also talking about God? He's saying God has the answer. He's not saying, I have the answer. He learned a lesson. When he had his first dreams, he didn't mention God at all. Here, he had trusted God up to this point, and he felt that God was going to guide him through this and give him the answer for Pharaoh. And that's exactly what happened. But more than that, God gave him a plan that he could give to Pharaoh. He just didn't tell them, okay, you're going to get famine, then you're going to get uh, after seven good years, so good luck. No, he didn't do that. He gave him a plan. So let's move on. So the advice was good in the eyes of Pharaoh and in the eyes of all his servants. And Pharaoh said to his servants, can we find such a one as this? a man who, in whom is the Spirit of God? And then Pharaoh said to Joseph, inasmuch as God has shown you all this, there is no one as discerning and wise as you. You shall be over my house, and all my people shall be ruled according to your word. Only in regard to the throne will I be greater than you. And Pharaoh said to Joseph, see, I have set you over all the land of Egypt. Did you notice that Pharaoh's talking about the God of Joseph? And remember, I mentioned this a few months ago. There was, at this time, a pantheon of Egyptian gods, okay? And here comes Pharaoh talking about this god that, or Joseph talking to Pharaoh about a god that he'd never heard of, but who could interpret a dream that nobody else could. How did Joseph get to this point? Did Joseph get to this point by saying, you know what, God, I know you got something for me. I remember those dreams. And, and just kind of like get through each day and sit there and say, okay, God, anytime, anytime. He didn't do that. No. Joseph worked hard every day. 
That's something he learned. If he didn't know how to do it when he, before he became a slave, he learned. He took every opportunity to learn. He was, by the time he was in Potiphar's household, he was fluent in Egyptian. He had to learn math. If you don't have a basic understanding of mathematics, you can't run a household because products need to be ordered and stored and they, they need to be inventoried. And he was responsible for all of that. He needed to make sure, among other things, that, he, uh, that some of the other servants weren't robbing him. Okay. Um, do I think he learned how to read? Yes, I do. I think he learned how to read. Write, I'm not sure about. Read, yes. It's plausible. Okay. The Bible doesn't say it, but I think it's plausible. He developed people skills over this time. He learned how to work with people and how to get people to work with him. He developed organizational skills. He could organize his own time in life, and he could organize the time in life of people who were under him, first in a household, and a fairly large household at that, and then in an entire prison. He developed decision-making skills all along the way that would help him to be an able administrator. He didn't just sit there. And we'll move on. Then Pharaoh took his signet ring off his hand and put it in Joseph's hand. And he clothed them in garments of fine linen and put a gold chain around his neck. And, when, and had him ride in the second chariot which he had, and they cried out before him, Bow the knee! So he set him over the land of Egypt. Pharaoh also said to Joseph, I am Pharaoh, and without your consent, no man may lift his hand or foot in all of the land of Egypt. And then Pharaoh called Joseph's name Zaphnath-Paneah. I hope I got that right. And he gave him as a wife, Azanath, the daughter of Potipharah, the priest of An. So Joseph went out over the land of Egypt. So we see here that he has immediately and unexpectedly, at least to him, ascended to run an entire country. He went from administrating a household to administrating a prison to administrating a country. And um, he knew God had something for him. He didn't know what it was going to look like. Well, this is what it looked like. It looked like running Egypt. And all along the way, everything that he was doing in faith, because he believed God had something for him, so he took every opportunity to learn and grow. And if that was an act of faith. Let me come back to that. It's an act of faith. Sometimes singing worship songs is an act of faith. You know? Um, in, in, in hard times, certainly it, it, getting through the day and can be an act of faith sometimes. Um, but... In our life, when we're deciding what God wants us to do, um, it's not about sitting around and saying, okay, God, this is what I think you've got for me, so make it happen. You've got to start somewhere. Okay? I, I mentioned it before. I started with babies. You know, I, I'm okay with babies, but I'm not real gifted in that area. I started with babies because that's what my wife was doing. But it started a chain of ministry that I was doing that took me to, among other things, um, this occasionally, and then downstairs with the children. 
Um, so for people who want to apply this, either in their own life, or maybe you're somebody in a position to influence other people, they're at a point where they see where God might have something for them, but they need to start to focus on what God has for them that day. Because learning the things that day, and over time, in faith, will prepare us for what God has for us in the future. Um, to reverse that, to say, okay, God, I think you've got this for me, and not to do the things that are in front of you. We'll, we'll make it impossible for that person to get to where uh, he was originally intended to be or she was originally intended to be. Um, and, and that's the example of Joseph here. It was something I didn't, I didn't understand this about the story of Joseph. I didn't get it up until I started teaching it that, that he did this that he was practicing his faith simply by learning, by um, learning everything he could and, 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 um, and helping people, you know, helping the, the other servants, being, um, leading them, um, learning how to write, learning how to read, practical things sometimes. God calls us to learn practical things. So... You're at a point in your life where you're wondering what God wants you to do. Um, my, my question is, what do you think God wants you to do right now? And, and seek God on that and then do it and see where it takes you. Okay. Joseph was 30 years old when he stood before Pharaoh, king of Egypt. And Joseph went out from the presence of Pharaoh and went throughout all the land of Egypt now, in the seven plentiful years, the ground brought forth abundantly. So he gathered up all the food of the seven years that were in the land of Egypt and laid up the food in the cities and laid up in every city the food of the fields which surrounded them. Joseph gathered very much grain as, sand, as the sand of the sea until he stopped counting, for it was immeasurable. And to Joseph were born two sons before the years of famine came, whom Azanath, the daughter of Potipharah, priest of On, bore to him. Joseph called the name of the firstborn Manasseh, for God has made me forget all of my toil in all my father's house. In the name of the second he called Ephraim, for God has caused me to be fruitful in the land of my affliction. Then the seven years of plenty which were in the land of Egypt ended, and the seven years of famine began to come, as Joseph had said. The famine was in all the lands, but in all the land of Egypt there was bread. So when all of the land of Egypt was famished, the people cried to Pharaoh for bread. Then Pharaoh said to all the Egyptians, Go to Joseph. Whatever he says to you, do. The famine was over all the face of the earth, and Joseph opened up all the storehouses and sold to the Egyptians. And the famine became severe in the land of Egypt. So all the countries came to Joseph in Egypt to buy grain because the famine was severe in all lands. And you might say, okay, that's a nice story. I'm not Joseph. Okay. Uh, well, 
You're not Joseph. I'm not Joseph. But um, the story is here for an example that we can follow, just like other stories in the Bible are examples to follow. Uh, so Pastor Joe's going through the history of Israel and going through the history of the kings there. And over and over again, talking about people and what they said and what they did and what we can learn from them. And that what we can learn from Joseph here is to um, act in faith and to um, see what God has for us today and to do it, to see what we can learn and to do it, knowing that um, while he had stories and dreams and faith, we have the Holy Spirit indwelling us, the Bible, faith, faith in Jesus and each other. And in 2 Peter 1, 2 to 3, it says, Grace and peace be multiplied to you in the knowledge of God and of Jesus our Lord, as his divine power has given to us all things that pertain to life and godliness through the knowledge of him who has called us by his glory and virtue, and by which, we have, by which have been given to us exceedingly great and precious promises, that through these you may be partakers of the divine nature, having escaped the corruption that is in the world through lust. And I'm going to put in bold, as his divine power has given to us all things that pertain to life and godliness. Uh, a friend of mine, uh, John Grooms, he showed this to me. And from then, I, from then on, I understood that um, God had already given me everything I needed and that I was without excuse. I couldn't say, well, I, I would like to do this, but I can't do that. Well, that's not what it says here. God's given us everything that we need. Now, you might say, well, you know what? God's called me to be a worship leader, and you've never led worship before. So maybe you'd start not as a worship leader. Maybe you'd start as a worship leader to children. And I can hook you up. Okay, you can come talk to me. Uh, to, to get to where we want to be, we have to start somewhere else to uh, be seen faithful in great things. We have to start out being faithful in smaller things. And, um, but all the time, God's given us everything that we need. And he's giving it to us continually, okay? He makes it available to us to increase our faith, to grow spiritually, to um, have increasing spiritual fruit, and it's not always easy. And if you're going through something that's really hard right now, um, hearing this might be hard because of what's going on, but just try to hold on to it because God brings us through difficult times. And those difficult times, in turn, help us. They help us not only to be stronger ourselves, but they also help us to turn around and help other people. We see this in the life of Joseph. The things that happened to him made him stronger, step by step. Okay? In the same way, God brings us through things. We grow. We are able to turn around and help other people along the way. Um, we're called to sometimes be helped, but sometimes to turn around and help, and that's something everybody can do.
Everybody can come along somebody else, speak a word, word of encouragement, maybe share their story of what God did for them. Many people have done that for me over the years. So I hope that all of you get the opportunity to do the same. Um, so two questions. One is, you may not know the answer to, what do you think God has for you? And that might be something that God hasn't put in front of you yet. But then the easier question, I think, is what does God have for you right now? And it might just be something small, and that's, that's okay. Because you know what? It's not small to God. It counts. It really does count. God's, God's looking for us to follow him in the small things, and then he'll lead us to other things. And, and for the people who are leading in big things, well, let's pray for them. But they started off by doing small things. So let's pray. You've been listening to To Every Generation from Calvary Chapel Crossfield. We're located at 15 Half Acre Road in Jamesburg, New Jersey. We meet for Bible study Wednesdays at 7.30 p.m. and Sunday service begins at 10.30 a.m. On Sundays, we have children's church for all ages in addition to infant and nursery care. You can find out more about the ministry here at Calvary Chapel Crossfields by going to cccrossfields.org. Thanks for listening, and may God bless you.